Hey guys, welcome back. This is Quartz at Heat, QuartzHeat.com, and we are back with another podcast, excuse me, episode today, as we are one day away from the NBA draft. We are approaching free agency faster than ever. We have a lot to talk about, but first, as always, thank you guys for tuning in, whether you're new or whether you are a recurring listener or reoccurring listener, you're just enjoying it. We're happy that you keep uh, you guys keep listening, you guys keep tuning in, as we just been covering the NBA a lot, from the NBA uh, finals to free agency rumors to draft rumors to actually reporting on the draft tomorrow. We have it all. We have it all covered. And real quick, if uh, we will be covering the draft mainly through Twitter. And our site. So if you go to courtsaheat.com, whether you're on mobile or desktop, either one, we will have our 2021 NBA draft section with each pick being announced on our website, courtsaheat.com. And of course, our Twitter page, twitter.com slash courtsideheat. And since we're already talking about social media and handles and different things like that, let's jump into it. Let's jump into the social media aspect. Let's jump into it. So we're able to talk about free agencies. We're able to talk about the draft that's coming up and the crazy trades that were offered that were both declined, surprisingly, and ironically stupid. But we'll begin into all of that for one. We even got some Chris Paul conspiracy theories posted by the man himself. We'll get into that later. As right now, you can always find us on courtsheat.com. Or you can find us on social media like Facebook.com slash Heat, Instagram.com slash Heat NBA, Heat NBA, Twitter.com slash Heat, Tumblr.com slash Heat, CourtsideHeat.store for our Macari store, CourtsideHeat.medium.com. And of course, you can always find the podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and of course, Spotify. With all that being said, let us get into the breaking news section. Let's break... I guess there's really no more breaking news section. Because it all really comes down to the entire basis of this podcast episode. Just talking about free agency, the draft, rumors... So, you know what? Let's just jump into it. We have no more dividers, no more sections. We will be carrying on with our um, topic from Monday's podcast episode. We did not put out a podcast episode yesterday because we have huge things releasing today, Laker mock drafts. We have the first of many to come today and tomorrow. So, check that out on social media, the website, and different places like that. But let's get right into it. Our special topic is looking at the top five teams with the biggest needs heading into the draft. Uh, last podcast episode, we went over the Phoenix Suns and the Oklahoma City Thunder. This pick, what we are, third team out of five, should not surprise you. But it should actually wake you guys up if you guys have felt numb to this team because everybody knows what this team's going through but not to the extent of how bad they were in last year's draft and who they signed in free agency first up let us get right into the season 
which may sound very weird, but we've, we've been fast-paced. Look, COVID's taken over the scheduling, how team formats are laid out for game-wise, for anything, really. But it's just been announced yesterday, Tuesday, that the 2021-22 season is set for October 19th, the and the 2022 NBA draft is set for July 20, uh, June 23rd. Excuse me. So that's exciting. So this upcoming season, get ready. We have 12 days before Halloween, but we will have 12 days before Halloween to start celebrating the NBA season starting back up again. This is really exciting. I cannot wait for it. We knew it was going to be... We knew it was going to be around October. We knew it was going to be around the double-digit mark before the 25th. We knew that. But now it's confirmed. The 2022 NBA draft will be there June 21st. So I am excited. That should keep us um, within a good schedule. I, I don't know if they condensed any games. Let me look it up. But while I'm talking about that, um, if no one saw the official news, Adam Silver already talked about it, but it's already gone past that. We will be having the playing tournament again for this season as last. So these 10 seed teams, they will be benefiting from that a lot. So to look out for that because the Pelicans, if they play as bad as they did last season, understand Van Gogh. I did they have a new coach is referring back to your one. We could be seeing them make a run. We could see different teams make a run again. Heck, this gives 10th seed teams, 9th seed teams, a new opportunity for the Puffs. Sure, it'll be a longer route to the Puffs, but at least you have a chance. I personally like the playing tournament. It mixes it up. I'm happy we're not doing mid-season tournaments for, like, cash considerations, uh, protected lottery picks. I kind of like it this be- I like it. I like it this way better than what they originally uh, proposed, so... I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, basically what we got. Um, so yeah, here we go. The playing tournament will return in 21-22 and will be played through April 12th to the 15th following the conclusion of the regular season on April 10th. The playoffs will begin on April 16th, while the finals will begin on June 2nd. That is the schedule for the upcoming NBA season, regular season, playing season, uh, playing tournament, then of course the NBA playoffs. I wanted to clarify a little more, but there we have it. Let us know, like, whether that's on social media or in the comments section, if you're on uh, SoundCloud or whatnot. And just let us know what your thoughts are, what your opinions are about the playing tournament. I am one in favor of it. Originally, I was not in favor of it, but now I'm kind of getting used to it again because it benefited the Warriors. It benefited the um, the uh, Grizzlies. It benefited these different types of teams that were less fortunate that uh, this prior season, right? So that is very, very interesting. And I, I actually forgot that it came out. So much has been sliding across our my desk, has been sliding across your guys' phone screens about everything that has been happening within the NBA. All of the all the trade rumors, all of the free agency sign uh rumored signings, all of the trade and uh sign and trade 
uh, rumors, and that's becoming more and more and more real saying whether players are in for that or if uh, teams are not in for that, and vice versa. But you want to know something interesting? And we're going to get to this real quick as we're talking about money here. Look, money is money. And for the NBA, spending a lot of money is nothing. Like these billionaire owners do not care about spending 40 to $60 million on a contract, right? That says cheap money for them. Cheap money. And they'll do, they'll do this all day. I Like if you think about it, if Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or even Jack Ma of, of his companies, right? Owned an NBA team. Let's just say it did. Spending $60 million as billionaires would not even seem a much. That would pretty much what they'll spend in a week if they had to spend up to $60 million. Putting that into perspective. But still, when players are asking for a valued price, they must be a valued player. But this team is asking Lowry, Kyle Lowry, for this contract, as they want Kyle Lowry as their new point guard. So the New York Knicks are willing to offer Kyle Lowry a two-year, f- between the range of 40 to $60 million contract. While that contract could be split up between $20 million a year or $30 million a year, or somewhere in between that, it's not bad. And Kyle Lowry was actually considered the closest thing to... Um, Chris Paul, this uh, these past few seasons, Kyle Lowry's already won a championship. He can bring his veteran knowledge to the New York Knicks. It doesn't look like Derrick Rose is re-signing with the Knicks. It could be looking like Derrick Rose is going to be re uh, is going to be reuniting with the Chicago Bulls and Billy Donovan. It could be looking like he's going to go back to the team that originally drafted him. And look, if you're going to pay twenty to uh, $30 million a year on him, I say do it because this point guard has been amazing. This, pa- this past season, even though it was 46 games, he averaged 17 points, 40% from the field, 5 rebounds, and 7 assists. And this was with a Raptors team, if I'm not mistaken, that just completely bit this season. And that, all due respect to them, they just... They were really bad. They were in the 12th seed, 27 of 45, and they finished in the last 10 games, 1-9. Um, the Chicago Bulls had a four-game lead on them, and they were ousted by the Hornets and Pacers in the Eastern Conference. And I guess the tough cards was still, the Raptors were just not there. Because if you look at the schedule, they, some days they got blown out. Some days they made it very competitive. But they lost to the likes of the Clippers, Wizards, Grizzlies, uh, Bulls, right? Pacers. So there was a lot of up and downs. There was a lot of COVID issues. A, a lot of coaching staff having to take time away from the team due to COVID-like symptoms. Due to the NBA's protocols and health and safety rules that... Must be that must be, um, what's the right word? That must be used properly. That must be enforced because the repercussions 
are very severe, right? Because you're going to be costing your team. You could be costing um, just wins in general because I know Nick Nurse had it at once. I know some of his assistants had it at once. I know different players have had injuries and whatnot. Like, I think Kyle Lowry also had a few injuries. Let me look that up. I'm not, I'm not too sure. And he did. Um, yeah, he was very on and off. He had different injuries. From May 4th to May 16th, he didn't play. He just sat out. He was pretty much hurt. And they were just trying to rest him as there was no point, right? But as for BS, so the Knicks were willing to offer Kyle Lowry a two-year contract worth in the range of 40 to $60 million. That is huge. The Knicks were trying to go on. The Knicks were trying to capitalize on the success that they had in forever this past season, right? They ended within the top five seeds within their respective conference. They made huge strides within their organization, and not even the organization, the Knicks um, executives, ownership, whomever, coaching, players didn't even know they were going to make it that far. But R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Derrick Rose, all these different guys pulled it together and showed that they have what New York needs. And they had tons of firepower. It in some. It just did not end well for them in the first round. But that's okay. I don't care they got ousted by the Hawks. I was rooting for them to win the Puff Series despite everything that was going on. Um, but... I, but this is such a huge victory for the Knicks. So it's amazing for the Knicks to be going all in for a point guard because a point guard does make a team from people that have listened to me or on my podcast or even when I talk on the on my website on courtsheat.com, right? And I'm bringing up the uh, Knicks roster right now because I want to sh- uh, tell you guys uh, who they have, right? So, of course, you have... Derrick Rose, point guard. I say let go Derrick Rose, get Kyle Lowry. I like Derrick Rose, but I'd rather see him go with someone else. I think he was a great sixth man. He, I saw he was going to make something. I saw, he was, I saw he was a good sixth man. He had explosive second half of the season. He, in my, in my, in my, I saw he, I saw he was better than Joe Ingles, but I can see why Jordan Clarkson, Utah Jazz player, beat him out. I can see why I did that, but the power forward is Randall. The shooting guard is Barrett. Um, but uh, who, uh, center is uh, Mitchell Robinson, and then you just have all these different point guards, power forwards. Yeah, but yeah. By the, I would say get Cowler because imagine Cowler, Joyce Randall, RJ Barrett, um, and Toby Toppin. Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Vendoza, uh, Robinson, who's gonna I believe who's gonna bounce back after suffering fractured hand injuries, right? And have to go surgery. I believe they're gonna I believe they're gonna bounce back and be back in the puffs. Or at the least or at the worst, having to go to the puff tournament. But that's where we'll be at. That's where we'll be at with the uh, what you call what you call Oh, why am I forgetting him now? That's what you would call with the Kyler situation and the Knicks. If the Knicks are willing to pick up that money and what they've 
been confirmed and willing to offer him, sure, I'll, if I'm Kyle, I'll take that all day. Make $20, $30 million a year for two years? Okay, let's see what we can do with the Knicks. Because it's not like the sorry Knicks back in 2015, 16, 17, and their entire debacle, right? With or without Carmelo Anthony. With or without Christoph Porzingis. With or without any of these guys. So it's going to be interesting because we know what force these guys are going to have in free agency. What force they're going to have uh, within the draft. And just different places like that. This offseason should be the Knicks. To try to regain balance after a first round exit. But still, that is huge. Huge. Um, works for them as huge accomplishments because they, I don't know when the last time they made a pop and actually good before come out and had to do it all soul and you just had a shooter just shooting lights out because he was forced to, right? So it was different situations, but moving on, Spencer Dinwiddie, <laughs> the free agent, Spencer Dinwiddie. Is really feeling himself. Um, how you, um, he had an injury, yes, but that's not stopping a 28 year old from asking, I mean, commanding a $25 million a year contract. So he, so if he wants a multi year contract, he wants $25 million a year. And we can look at the statistics and see. How and the thing is, is that I would pay the man. Maybe it's tough because injuries has gone this man's way. His career has not gone gone well due to injuries. This season, he only played three games for Brooklyn because of injuries, and he only had six points, thirty-seven percent, and four rebounds for free assists. Right. But the prior season, at the 2019, he had 20 points, 41% from the field, three rebounds and six assists. And then 16 points, 12 points. But he kept gradually going up, right, before getting to Brooklyn. So if I'm Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't believe he's a $25 million player a year. I truly don't believe that. I also don't believe his salary per year should be that. Especially with the injuries, especially if he, I don't know who's going to pay him that. I think he's worth fifteen to twenty million dollars a year. Sign him for a three-year contract. Only have it for like forty-five, uh, sixty million dollars total. I think that's fair. Make the signing bonus something. Give him like uh, incentives, right? But I would not have. I would not give him a four-year contract worth a hundred million dollars. I don't believe he's ever going to be worth $100 million at the rate that he's going. I believe that he peaked in 2019 at the right time. That's why he's feeling himself. That's why he's trying to hype himself up. He's like, these injuries were just a road obstacle. I get that. Now look at at the 2019 season. Look at the 2018 season. Look at the 2017 season. Look at the entire duration I played with Brooklyn. And especially the stars that were in 2019 with all their injuries. With... The addition of James Harden with the Kyrie, Kevin Durant situation with Steve Nash. When their players went down, Spencer Dinwiddie rose to the occasion. I believe Spencer Dinwiddie is a good basketball player and he deserves 15, 15 to $20 million a year. Truly, and that's just me being honest. I believe he can be something. 
this season, I'm not going to count this season due to injury because you can't base this guy off of free games being played. But how durable is he going to be during the next season? How is rehab going? How is he going to fare into the next season with this heavy schedule? Now, good news for him, he's going to have additional rest time as where he had this throughout this entire season. Why? Because we're getting back to a normal schedule. Getting back to normalcy within the NBA. But, uh, speaking about injured players, betting on themselves, trying to re- get um, having a player option. And I'm not talking about Chris Paul. I'm not. I'm talking about Kawhi Leonard. So the Mavericks, they're done. They're done with, uh, with Kawhi Leonard. You, they say, you know what? Kawhi's not worth our time. Kawhi, you're done. We're not going to try to recruit you anymore. We're going to try to get Luka to sign his huge contract. We're going to try to re-sign Tim Hardaway Jr. and Lowry. And try to sign Lowry in free agency. So the Knicks and the Mavericks and many other teams are in the hunt for Kyle Lowry. But Tim Hardaway Jr. once is looking to be re-signed. By the Dallas Mavericks. And this is the guy that averaged 16 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists per game in 70 games. Going off of 44% from the field. This, besides 2018 and and 2017, this was the best season by far that he's had. Um, In terms of playing more than 70 games. Truly does come down to that. If he plays more than 70 games, or right at 70 games, this is his best season. Because 2018, he was traded from New York to Dallas. So, it really, so yeah, it really didn't even come down to him playing 70 games. But actually playing over 70 games or right at 70 games, it was great for him. He had a breakout season, helped the Mavericks when he needed, especially if Luka Doncic was not feeling himself Seth Curry was getting in the mix a little bit. We, I don't know. I don't think Seth Curry's in there anymore. Never mind. Uh, but yeah, the Dallas Mavericks have to figure out the organization, have to figure out the roster. And it's like, okay, you got Jason Kidd as a head coach. What can he do from there? Maybe Rick Carl is not the answer for Tim Hardaway. Maybe we bring him back for a few more seasons in Dallas. Well, maybe he can be a great. Um, guard, shooting guard, small forward, because I'm going to pull up the Dallas Mavericks uh, roster real quick because I'm curious. I'm very, very curious. Their point guards, Luka Doncic, but obviously plays more like a shooting guard, but we're going to keep on a point guard. Tim Hardaway Jr. is their starting point guard. J.J. Rex, their backup point guard. Their center is Boban Maravich. Kristaps Porzingis is most likely going to be traded because there's just been some very intense heat between him, Luca, and the organization. And it's not faring well. And if I were the Mavs, I would just trade him away. It would be better for him. The experiment has failed due to injuries and low performance by Chris Paul Porzingis to make Porzingis and Doncic a viable, a, a very good duo. It's just never turned out that way because if we go to Chris Paul Porzingis' stats... Sure, we can say he's put up 20 points and 9 rebounds per game with a couple assists. But if we break down his shooting averages, he's played very inconsistent, especially in that 
Clippers series in the Clippers series in the first round when the Mavs were originally up two nothing and they were able to come back and lose it four to three, right? I mean, win it four to three. Look, that that's tough. That's tough. But I don't know. I don't see any more value. Christoph Porzingis on the Mavericks. I say go ahead, trade him to the best possible suitor that ever wants him. But it's also going to be interesting what they do because Tim Hardaway could actually play small forward. That's something that they're looking at right now because if they re-sign him, let's say they get Kyle Lowry and they get Luka Doncic back. Let's just be very clear about this. They're not. They're going to move players around. Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to take over the power four. So they're going to trade Kristaps Porzingis. Let's just take Kristaps Porzingis out of the mix. It's going to go Luka point guard. And it's going to be the starting five. Keeping rosters same, right? Luka Doncic point guard. To, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. power forward. Boba Marovic center. Um, Kyle Lowry. No. I'm sorry, let me restart this. I'm sorry, I got off track. Okay, Cal, and this is what everybody's saying. So, Cal or shoot, uh, point guard, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr., power forward, Boba Maravich, center, uh, Luka Doncic, shooting guard, and then, I, or, I guess our power forward can be Dwight Powell or Dorian Finney Smith, right, or someone. Just giving, or Willie Colleen Stein, or Nico Melli. It's going to be someone, right? Whether they pick him up a free or keep him on there. But that's going to be the starting five. Small four will be Tim Hardaway Jr. And then they'll just convert someone to power forward in the starting lineup. Because I don't see Tim Hardaway Jr. power forward. Small four pretty much uh, fits his role. But... That's where we'll be at on that end. I'm surprised the Mavericks are giving up on Kawhi, but it makes sense because more reports came out that Kawhi's having second thoughts. He may just try to re-sign this summer with the organization, with the LA Clippers, right? It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting what they do, how Kawhi wants to bet on himself even though he's injured right now or coming back from a torn right ACL that he suffered during the postseason on their way to a cha- on their road to the championship, right? So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting how this all fares. But with that being said, let us keep on going because we're not even done yet. We still got tons of free agency talk. And then we'll get into the trades. And then we'll finally get to everyone that's been waiting for. The NBA draft and what I have to say on it. So now, Dennis Schroeder. I said Dennis Schroeder was worth $100 million. I said he was worth $20 to $30 million. $20 to $25 million a year, right? I said on the podcast. No, no, no. This man goes beyond and above and beyond. This man does not want to settle. This man wants $30 million a year. More than what I thought this man was worth. But Dennis Schroeder is looking to receive a five-year contract worth $150 million. Is this man worth it? Truly. Is this man worth it? 
there is, there's always going to be concern. I'm not going to lie to you where I'm going to say, you know what, he's worth it. I don't believe Dan Schroeder's worth $150 million. He's a great point guard. He will give you what a team needs. It's just, the Lakers were a bad fit for him. I get that he was trying to win a championship with them. But that first round exit did not look good on him. OKC was his best time. Atlanta was his best time um, during the departure. 2016 to 2019 was his best run. And as combined with Atlanta and Oklahoma City. Look, I don't believe he's worth $150 million. But if you're going to keep him for 30 years? If you're going to keep him for 30 years? Uh, I'm sorry, not 30 years. But if you're going to keep him... For five years, $30 million a year. Maybe he's 27. That would take him into 32, 33. It's not bad. I would settle on $150 million overall. I just I just have to try to get that down to like $25 million. $25 million seems more reasonable. But now what I will say is if it's a five-year contract, it's not like he's trying to pull fast ones and try to do a three-year contract making $50 million a year, right? Or even a two-year contract trying to get $75 million a year. It's now what he's doing. So now I'm taking a step back and realizing it's only like $150 million over a course of five years. It's only $30 million a year. However, they want to split that up with incentives, bonuses, different things like that, and how it hit the cap and whatnot. But I don't know what team's going to be interested in. The Bulls are interested in him, along with Derrick Rose and Kyle Lowry and Lonzo Ball. The Knicks were interested in him. Different teams were interested in him. And I'm not going to be shocked if someone says, you know what, let's pick him up $150 million a year. Heck, I would I would say to the Pistons if they had the money, whether they do or whether they don't pick up Dennis Schroeder if he wanted to go there. That would be interesting, but looking over the five years, now I'm sitting back on and actually looking at it, it's not as outrageous. It just looks like a lot on the surface, but when breaking it down year by year and only looking at 30 per year, it's not that bad. Still, I would like to see him make $20, 25000000 million a year, but for the performance that you have from 2016 and 19, it's not bad. I can see where he's coming from. No doubt about that. I just was not expecting $150 million. But having it over the course of five years, that makes it better. That makes my uh, makes team situations easier. So I like that he's giving out more years for fun. Let's just say he won. I'm putting this in the calculator. Over $150 million over six years. That would be $25 million. Could that make me feel any better? Maybe if he asked for like a $250 million over six years, sure, let's just go with that. Because if it makes me feel better, sure. But either way, I don't care. Because whether it's, here's the thing, whether it's $25 million or $30 million, let me ask you a difference. Does any of these franchises care? Sure, it could hit against the cap. Sure, it could tying up their position in free agency. But if you do your free agency work, your homework, and you get Dennis Schroeder for $30 million a year, what's the extra $5 million per year? That's how I'm looking at it. And I actually believe wholeheartedly that 
He's worth $25 million a year. And if it means he has to give another, yeah, teams have to give him another $5 million per year over the course of five years, I'm all, I'm all right with that. It's just an extra uh, $25 million if you're already saying about it. So instead of a $125 million contract, you're now giving him a $150 million contract. But in the grand scheme of things, Maybe it's not that bad. I'll let you guys come to your own conclusions. I'll try to draw myself to my conclusions because I'm still on the fence about that. I'm more 80-20 yes. I'm more on a higher yes than no just because I like Dan Schroeder. I like his skill set. I like what he brings to the table as a point guard. His basketball IQ is there. His awareness on the court is amazing. And he's a great shooter and passer. And I cannot uh, say anything less about him, right? But without further ado, let's let's um oh boy, oh boy. Okay, um, where do I want to start screaming at? Um, see, we got done with free agency. Look, Pistons. Um, no, no, no. Let's not start. Let's not start the Pistons. Yeah, you know what? Start the Pistons. Yeah, we're gonna start with the Pistons. The Thunder, Detroit Pistons had. An amazing trade offer come across their desk um, in the past few days. The the funder the funder were to kind of trade offer of receiving the first overall pick in exchange for the sixth overall pick and Shea Gilchrist Alexander. I'm gonna build off of this real quick. Personally, personally, I think. Like the three-year, $25 million contract they gave to Mason Pomley, and by tanking and getting rid of Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, as everyone wants to leave there, right? I don't blame them. It was a, it was a horrible move. It was a horrible move for the Detroit Pistons, the nobodies. And you know what? By making moves like this, like other teams you have in Detroit, that's why Detroit fans turn on everyone. Because Detroit's a bunch of losers who makes loser decisions. Oh, let's give up a proven developmental player in Shea Gilgis Alexander, who had a breakout season during CP Free's time before getting traded to Phoenix. And after CP Free left, after he got traded, he still was having a great season. And that was when his funder were tanking. And they traded everyone besides him. But no, instead of giving up the first overall pick to a bunch of college players or players that were entering out of the G League. No. No, we can't do that. Let's decline the unproven part. Let me tell you guys this. I don't care how good any of these players are. I don't care how good any of these college players are. Um... Because here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. College is different from the NBA. The intensity, the physicality, the mental game is different. All the aspects on the game of basketball is different when you step on an NCAA court to a G League court to an NBA court. I don't care. It's different. It's different. And here's the problem I see. Here's the problem, Troy. 
Are you ready? The, the Detroit Pistons messed it up because college players sometimes can transition into NBA players. They can't transition to what the NBA is like. Look at Anthony Bennett in 2013, number one overall pick when he went to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He had hype coming out of the college he intended. People thought he was going to be the next LeBron. So did and so did everybody compare Andrew Wiggins to. He was the uh, Canadian Michael Jordan. Not even kidding. He was actually considered a goat of his Canadian college team, and just just his physical and talent. What talent he had right coming out of college. Martel Fultz. He could never transition to NBA with or without injuries. Um, Great Odin, he was not bad, but he couldn't transition. 1972, LeRue Martin could not transition to the NBA. Hashim Zaybeat, if I'm pronouncing your name right, was the second overall pick in the 2009 draft. Biggest draft bust of all time. Legit. Derek Williams was a bust in the 2011 draft. Like I said, Anthony Bennett, it's bad. It's bad, bad. Like, okay, here's some more. Not to keep um, beating on this subject, but like I said, Derek Williams. Well, um, Michael Kidd uh, Gilstrey. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. He was a bust. Legit. Um, who else do we can have? We have Jahil Okafer. He was a bust. Dragon Bender. He was a bust. Josh Jackson. He was a bust for the Phoenix Suns. He was not a fourth overall pick. I've seen good fourth overall picks, and he'll never be in that conversation. Uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Bust. I've Jared Culver. Bust. I'm not kidding. And that's just in the past decade that I was reading off that list. You are too stupid as a franchise. Did not I don't I don't care. I care to some level. I care to some degree that college players are performing all out. But just because they're performing all out in college, what makes you think they're gonna code in the NBA like this? Not everyone is like that. Not everyone. Chad Cunningham, just for the record, before I talk about him in my mock draft, is not going to be like he like he was in his, in, in college. It's not going to be his first year, especially if he goes to a sorry team like the Pistons. So, and I'm happy that Shea Gilgis-Alexander not to be put for the torture of going to Detroit. Because who does Detroit actually have that actually means something? Okay, Killing Hayes. He'll take time. Jeremiah Grant. The reason why he's playing well is because of a pack of losers and he's the only decent shooter. Sadiq Bey. Worthless. Josh Jackson, worthless. Isaiah Stewart, worthless. Dan Smith Jr., worthless. Mason Plumlee, I wish you never were in the NBA. I wish you were never in the NBA. You're a horrible center. You should have never even gotten 
you should never even gotten the $25 million contract for over the course of three years. Um, uh, oh, Jaheel Okafer. Oh, he was a boss, but oh, we picked him up. Come on. He's a legit bust, and you have him on there. No one cares for him. Frank Jackson, bust. Sabine Lee, bust. Tyra Cook, bust. Ronnie McGregor, bust. Corey Joseph, bust. Um, And whoever else they have on there. It's bad. It's bad. And you would not take the OKC's offer. There's... There's somewhat talent in this draft, but mark my words, there is not one, not one franchise player that could turn your team. Chad Cunningham's not that guy. Jalen Suggs is not that guy. De'Aaron Jalen's not that. Jalen Smith is not that guy. Evan Mobley's not that guy. There's not one player in the NBA draft that can walk on in and say, I can change your franchise. This is my moment. It's not like we're dealing with um, a Luka Doncic. It's not like we're dealing with a LeBron James, a Kobe Bryant, a Michael Jordan, a Isaiah Thomas, a Shaquille O'Neal, a Dwayne Wade, a Chris Bosh. It's not like we're dealing with um, who else? Paul Pierce. Come on. Like, come on. Open your eyes for once. You're committed to it now. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for trade offers to come and draft? Do you think someone's going to be better? Shake Gilgis Alexander is better than I thought. Truthfully, this season, 2020, averaged 23 points, 50% shooting, 4 rebounds, 6 assists. 2019, 19 points. 47% from the field, 5 rebounds, a free assist. 2018 with the Laker, uh, with the Clippers, 10 points, 47% from the field, 2 rebounds, a free assist. He's getting more consistent. And sure, you could say, well, he went down with an injury. He may not be the same. Well, then you're a walking idiot. Then you're one of those idiot zombies that you see on a stupid TV show that has no idea or no clue where they're at. Because here's the thing. Detroit messed up. I don't care if you're a fan of them. I don't care how biased you are of seeing Chad Cunningham. I don't care how, um, how biased you are to any of these college players. They're not franchise players. They'll never be franchise players. They're not a LeBron James. Heck, they're not even a franchise. They're not Zion Williamson. And because he was with the Pelicans, his career is slowly deteriorating. People are going to find that out. But it's not But it's not the college players. People are expecting these guys to be a franchise player. I'm not blaming this pressure. On the college players. Remember, we cannot have a normal, uh, good procedure on evaluating these guys. Everything was scrambled. Everything was interesting. We cannot get the proper feel of them. There was no NCAA tournaments for these guys. Games are limited. It was limited. And it was just very, very sad. It was bad. It was frustrating. 
It, I'm not blaming the guys. These guys have talent. From what I saw in college and what I heard, do not think what I just said was discrediting them. I was not. But the Detroit Pistons have to wake up at some point in their franchise and say, Oh, let's just do this or this or this. Oh, shut up. Actually make a good decision for once. But the, but the Detroit Pistons have to wake up and say, Shay Gilgis Alexander, they're off the Shay Gilgis Alexander for this first overall pick is very uncertain. So why, why skip out and get an unproven guy? Let's get a proven guy, but still be within the top 10 picks of the 2021 NBA draft. Come on! But you're committed. You've turned down rumors. You've turned down our trades. you turned down the biggest one of them all. Come on, that's not, that's not right. That's not how you work a franchise. I don't care how you're feeling about the draft or whatnot, but you're committed to it. Whatever they see and whoever they're picking, it's interesting. And I'm not trying to be the big boy over here just breaking and just destroying the hopes and dreams of every Detroit Pistons fan. I want these college athletes to succeed. I want them to explode in full potential. I'm just saying they're not franchise players. It's not the 2018 NBA draft. It's not that. It's just, it's just different. It wasn't even up to par of last year's draft. But it's just all different because of the procedures that we had on these players. On the evaluations we were um, getting off of these players. Of just how good or not they were. It's frustrating. It truly is frustrating. The Pistons made a mistake. Instead of getting an unproven guy who may or may not be able to transition to the NBA like he did in college, from high school to college, I would go on Shea Gilgis Alexander. I would have said, "Fine, have the first overall pick. At least we get a proven guy. At least we get ourselves off the ground and say we made a right decision." But why decline it? You have to be planning something huge, and it's just not me freaking out. Everyone else is baffled by this decision is pondering on the idea of why this trash organization has done another loser job but i guess they have the i guess in detroit sports and whatnot i guess they have the victory over the detroit lions for not having the longest drought to go to the playoffs it was like 50 years wow they got that over them but at least we can be known. But at least they could be known as a team who tanked and still couldn't do anything with their franchise. Just saying. Just saying. It's that sad and that's that bad. Speaking about bad and speaking about overestimating um, players were for just really bad at what they do. Um, Ben Simmons. I wish. The Raptors would have just slapped the 76ers across the mouth for even offering such a horrendous, horrific trade. Like, no man with an IQ over 30 would have proposed this trade. But then again, who says they do or they don't? But at least the Raptors are smart. So get this proposed trade, and thank goodness 
this was declined or have bigger problems with the Raptors instead of these Philly 76ers, right? A proposed trade of OG Anobi, Fred Van Vliet, and a first-round pick for Ben Simmons alone was rejected by the Raptors. Let me say that again. OG, Van Fleet, and a first-round pick was offered in exchange for Ben Simmons. You're idiots. Your guys are legit idiots. Who are you trying to fool? Oh, come on. That's not a good... Why? I get Anobi. I believe Anobi's going to be great with the Raptors. I believe Fran Van Vliet's going to be great with the Raptors. I would take the players out. Just ask for Ben Simmons for a draft pick. Come on. The Raptors are idiots. That's dumb. That's foolishness. Come on. Like, who does that? Who does that? Ben Simmons isn't worth anything. Even Kyle Kuzma would be offended if he was traded for Ben Simmons. And that speaks volumes. That's bad. No, 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 no. That isn't clever. That isn't cute. That's idiocy. That's stupidity. And that is just complete and utter ridiculousness. Trash. Like... I don't know who in their right mind would actually offer such a trade. It's like the Philadelphia organization had nothing better to do with their time. And they're like, let's propose this trade offer to um, the Toronto Raptors. You guys are morons. You guys are morons. I don't know who in their right mind was like, who, like, who in their right mind was like, oh, Philly. I was trying to give Fred Van Fleet a great player who can actually shoot a free throw, actually shoot the ball and not be scared, like OG and Anabai. Or OG, I'm not even going to pronounce his last name. I apologize for how many times I botched it. And in a first round pick, Ben Simmons isn't even worth $100. The man's worth nothing. I don't think anybody's getting that for their head. But I can see where the 76ers are coming from. But it's it's Ben Simmons. It's Ben Simmons who choked for his team in the playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks. Who could not come from the clutch. People say... Well, when Joel Embiid was out in the closeout game against the Washington Wizards, who was there? Ben Simmons. No, Ben Simmons was on the bench crying and wondering why he was so scared of a shot. It was actually Tobias Harris and Seth Curry that did something. It was actually them that uh, picked up Simmons and said, Oh, don't you worry, we'll carry you again. When it's all said dumb... When it's all said and done, this first overall pick will be one of the greatest busts ever. To have no talent. He should never have been hyped. This man is a coward. This man is a legit loser on a basketball court. He's a liability. 
He's a nobody. And the reason why he's a somebody is because people are making fun of him and just frustrated with him. Tell me. Tell me where I'm wrong. That's just, that's not good basketball. He's not a good player. He's really not. I, I really don't know what to say from there. He keeps saying, I'll go back into the lab. I'll redevelop my shot. I'll keep working. I promise. I promise. I promise. Oh, you better just shut up at this point. For crying out loud, you've been saying that for the past two to three years. Your shot's never going to get better. You have no courage. Your your heart, your body, your soul, your mind is just filled with fear of just not being able to drive or take a free throw. Uh, you're just bad. You're bad. I don't know why I'm spending my breath on you. I don't know why I'm spending my podcast time on Ben Simmons. He's not worth anything. He's not even worth $100. I would rather get cash and trade. I I would rather trade Ben Simmons for cash to go buy a cop a print copier. But I, but I bring some memories like Kyle Korver. Huh. But yeah, that's a stupid trade. Uh, I don't know who saw that, but the Raptors were obviously not going to accept that trade. I'm surprised they didn't say anything. I'm surprised if guys from the Toronto Raptors organization were not trolling this team. That's just stupidity. Just all it is. I'm not going to spend our minute on it because why do I got to? It's Ben Simmons in Philly. Yay. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a loser. That that Them and the Pistons have just been bad. One had a great... I had a great opportunity to get a great play, get a good player, and the other was making idiocy moves for no good reason because whoever's on that organization had had really no clue on how to make a proper trade. Way to go! You just spent twenty five minutes trying to come up with this idea. And it completely failed. And I'm happy that it failed because that's just a loser trade. And that's all that's to it. And legit, that's all I have to say on it. Okay, last trade before we head into the into the um into the NBA draft news. We have after the uh, Grizzlies and Pelicans trade, newly acquired Eric Bledsoe um, of the Memphis Grizzlies is going to be looked as looking to be traded somewhere else. The Grizzlies are already looking for that. They've already known about that. But this was Pelicans' job of of clearing uh cap space, trying to re-sign Brandon Ingram. Trying just to keep current up cap space and able just to do what they do to go into free agency and sign somebody that they can utilize, somebody they can prioritize, and somebody that they can develop or is developed to go ready head first into the basketball court. But yeah, nothing big. If Eric Bledsoe is going to be traded within um at the start of the official trades or just within the next few days. 
be ready as the Knicks are on top of the list of destinations for the shooting guard. Okay. This pretty much, since we're going to the draft, since we're going to the draft, I'm going to pull up Chris Paul because I thought this was interesting. Nine, um, yesterday, uh, yesterday, Tuesday afternoon, it was like around two o'clock, uh, two o'clock p.m. And um, Chris Paul sent this interesting tweet. Uh, he posted several photos, four photos, in fact, of the team, of the team, of him, of his, um, him leaving the Phoenix Suns arena and in his jersey. But it says, thank you to Phoenix and all the fans on a great season. Back to work, uh, praying hands and uh, raised fist. Hashtag can't give up now. When I heard this on air from Arizona Sports, I saw he was confirming that he was leaving. Or that he's was that. But when I heard the whole thing and he said, get back to work or back to work. It was like, whoa, does this mean he's staying? To me, that sounds like he's staying. I don't know what to do off this one tweet. I really don't know what to make off this one tweet because he said, thank you to Phoenix, all the fans on the great season. Back to work. Does he mean he's going to get back to work? He's not giving up. He's not giving up on on the notion of retiring. He's, he ruled out retirement right there. But does he want to go back to Phoenix? I don't know if I should be making anything out of this. I don't know if this is just a celebratory tweet that just congratulating the fans by sticking by him in the organization. I, I don't know. It's just I, I, I just did not expect Chris Paul to do that out of nowhere. It was just, it's just like, yeah, it's crazy because this is a Chris Paul's conspiracy. The ball is in his court. He knows that. So I don't know if he's trying to get people psyched. I don't know if he's trying to go in different directions or he truly meant that. I believe Chris Paul is a strip guy. I've never met in my life. I may never meet him in, his life, in my life. But what I do know from the player of Chris Paul and the way Chris Paul acts and responds to things, I don't think he's going to be indirect. I don't think he's going to be um, trying to lead people in different directions. I think by this tweet, thank you to Phoenix and all the fans on a great season, double exclamation point, back to work. I believe he wants to run it back. I think he's going to pick up that player option or decline the player option and sign a two to three year contract to make him run to the age of 40 years old, then call, then call it quits. Or he could just pick up the player option for one more year, have $44 million, excuse me, $44 million paid. It's just interesting. I don't know, you guys be the judge, judge of that, but this is a Chris Paul conspiracy. And I'm not saying this is going to determine everything, but I'm just saying it's determining something. They said, sing you to Phoenix and all the fans on a great season. Back to work. And the four photos they posted, it's about the team. It's about Chris Paul uh, um, giving giving um, a, uh, a high five to a fan down the aisle. It's a Chris Paul jersey. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of it, but I believe if I had to assume something, I had to suggest an assumption, he's running it back. But I don't know. 
So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. And as of this podcast recording for today, for Wednesday, right? This is all I have. So it's going to be very interesting. I don't think we hear anything out of the uh, any word about Chris Paul officially until August begins. Truly. And that means we'll only have to wait about three days left until we get to hear that of his final decision if he does choose to open up within the first few days of August. But that will be huge for the Suns. But you got to remember, the Suns have a backup plan, right? Because if uh, if the Chris Paul is not going to come back to Phoenix entirely without the contract center and just the player option, they already have guys in mind. But this could be something, and it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure, and it's something that I would highly keep an eye on. I'm going to keep an eye on it, but that is our conspiracy theory. My goodness. My, my goodness. Oh, we've already reached the hour mark on this podcast, and we've had a lot to talk about, a lot to break down, but we're just really getting into that. That was just all... um. What do you call it? That's just pretty much all um, free agency talk. Now we're getting to the big boy stuff. Now we're getting to the NBA draft. Now we're getting into the real of it. To the, but I don't want to say real stuff, but we're getting to the thing that's happening tomorrow night at 6 p.m. I'm going to be there. The first round is going to be, the draft is going to be on ABC and ESPN. So I'm just going to turn on ESPN or logged in with my of my cable network and we're just going to be able to watch it right but i want to talk about my first mock draft this is going to be the first mock draft and i'm going to do a thursday morning mock draft and of course i'm going to be posting these throughout social media and on courtsheet.com the website but here we go i'm also going to pull up a mock draft that i found from NBA, was it NBA TV? Yeah, from NBA TV. That I did not know they pulled on. Uh, I did not know that they did until I looked at it today, right? And if I could find it, that would be. Oh, here we go. So there's going to be two different mock drafts, right? They're going to be similar and they're going to be different. But here's my first mock draft. I did the first ten picks. And I apologize if I cannot pronounce some of these last names or even first names, but I would do my best. But I my apologies in advance because I'm already looking at some of these names and I'm like, I'm host. I just hope I do not rup, uh, uh, make anybody mad. That is not in my intent. But let's just do it. So first overall pick, we have the Detroit Pistons. And I have Jalen Green, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain all of these different draft picks when I'm done with my ten uh, ten picks. Second overall pick is the Houston Rockets, Chad Chad Cunningham. Third overall pick, Evan Mobley, Cleveland Cavaliers. Fourth overall pick, Jalen Suggs, Toronto Raptors. P- uh, draft pick number five, fifth overall pick, Jonathan. Kum, uh, Kumina, Kumina, uh, Jonathan K. I'm sorry, I pronounced I pronounced your name wrong, but he was part of the NBA G League Ignite. Um, he went to Orlando, Orlando Magic. The sixth overall pick, 
James Bucknight um, went to OKC. With the seventh overall pick, Scott Barnes goes to Golden State. On the match, you have the eighth um, overall pick, M- uh, Moses Moody, um, to Magic. And then Zari Williams goes to Sacramento Kings in ninth. And with the 10th, we have Alperin Sigon. I apologize if I just mispronounced or botched your entire name. But yes, he went to the Pelicans. And it's very interesting. Now I'm going to read you the list of NBA's. Of NBA's TV uh, mock draft. Are you ready? And it's actually really interesting. We're almost similar, but not. Here you go. Are you ready? And here's full disclosure. I didn't even know they did one of these until I looked at my social media page. But Chad Cunningham, first overall pick. Second overall pick, Jalen Green. Third overall pick, Evan Mobley. Jalen Suggs, fourth overall pick. Scotty Barnes, um, fifth overall pick. Ours actually differed. Ours actually differed. I had Jonathan going before him. Uh, James Bognight going six. Jonathan Kumanga, um, oh, Jonathan going seventh to the Warriors. So I actually switched mine from Barnes to Jonathan for Magic, and it was like vice versa for the um, NBA TV's mock draft. Then you have Moses uh, Moody. Okay, similar on that. And then they have uh, Franz Wagner. I did not have that. I had Zari Williams. And at the end, the um, they had Josh Giddy, And I had Alperin Sengun. But yeah, it's interesting when you break it down because they don't even have him in the first round. Zara Williams is is on from my ninth went to the twenty fifth. Interesting. Um, where's the other guy? Where's the other guy? Where's the other guy? And I can't find. Oh, there he is, going eighteenth to OKC. So it's it's interesting when you break it down. I have to see if mine's outdated. If they tra- oh they traded they traded picks they traded picks. So the tenth overall pick I forgot went to Memphis and out of New Orleans. So, if I had a pick from Memphis, I would pick uh, Josh Giddy. If, if since it's Memphis, but since it's not the Pelicans, I will revise that. I I didn't know my mock simulator. Well, I was wondering why I was just so wrong. I was like, the tenth pick just seems weird to have that right. But yeah, it's Memphis's tenth pick. I would pick Josh Giddy too. Here, here's what I'm looking at. Here's here's my rundown of the NBA draft. I believe. The Pistons look to take Jalen Green over Chad Cunningham because I believe Green's just much better than Cunningham. I believe the Pistons will be able to do more with uh, Green than they will with Cunningham, right? And I'm not putting either man up or down over the other one, but all I'm saying is that, look, I believe one's going to have more of an explosive season. And two, I believe Cunningham would fit more with Houston than with Detroit. And Cunningham would have the better success in Houston than Detroit. Because at least Houston has different pieces where the Detroit Pistons are trying to build from the ground up. Where Houston have 
players like um, Porter Jr., Wood, um, uh, John Wall, Eric, uh, Eric Gordon, different players like that, right? They're trying to rebuild their roster. So when I'm seeing that, Cunningham or Green, whoever goes second overall, would be the most ideal spot for that franchise, right? And I'm not. I'm. I don't think. I I think that whoever goes second overall will benefit more from being the first overall just because of the team selection. Because Detroit's not favorable. No one wants to go to Detroit. Because at least with the Rockets, they'll have more of a chance to be a better team than the said Detroit Pistons. Um, I picked Evan Mobley for the third overall pick because I believe since they're trading Kevin Love, they're trying to dump that $60 million salary. They're going to try to say, you know what? Let's get Mobley. He's one of the top centers of his draft class. He's explosive. He's compared to D um to that uh AD on defense. Chris Bosch loves him. He says this is gonna be a great player offensively and defensively. I believe he could be developed right by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I believe Cleveland keeps Colin Sexton, has Evan Mobley, and whomever else is on that roster. But that's my that's my feelings. That's my pick on that one. I say Mobley would fare better with Cleveland. That would be a piece Cleveland needs. They're in team in need, right? They're a team that needs a center. They need someone younger. It's time to get Kevin Love, sorry, but out of Cleveland. The injuries are enough. His experience is not what that team needs. They need winners, and they need a winner mindset, not just the mindset of getting money and then leaving, right? But, with all that being said, I believe Mobley would be amazing in that offense. Oh, I could just see him coming down the lane and just blocking somewhere. Not allowing too many defensive breakdowns and actually defending the guy in the paint. Because he's one of those guys that would be a great big man in this league. And give him to like he's 25, 26 years old when he's developed. Oh my, that's going to be amazing. Because I've always been a fan of Evan Mobley when he entered into the 2021 NBA draft. Everybody's a fan of Mobley. Everybody believes he's going to go to the Cavaliers. So I don't see the Pistons or the Rockets drafting him before then, right? I don't see Cleveland not getting the chance. Then, of course, Al Gonzaga, we have Jalen Suggs. Again, Jalen Suggs is a good one. I like Jalen Suggs. The two Jalen's, Jalen Green... It's, to me, the first or second overall pick. Then Jalen Green's obviously within the top five. I believe he'll have a better time in uh, with who, uh, who is, with the Raptors because he, uh, with Kyle not coming back, they can get a point guard, use him, or just try to transition. They have starter minutes or put him in the starter role. Try to develop him that way. And you have OG and Abai, you have... You have Fran Van Vliet, you have Pascal Siakam, you have all these different guys putting him in the rotation. I actually believe that would be something huge. I mean, huge for that team. That would put him in the right direction. I believe Nick Nurse can develop him the right way. I believe that entire coaching staff 
can get him ready to go, whether he's on the bench for the first half of the season or if they're just slowly migrating him into the or integrating him into the starting lineup. I think that would be phenomenal. And then when we get down to everything else, I believe Jonathan Mon- uh, Moses Moody will be great for the Atlanta Magic. The Magic are going to need to fix everything about the roster because they've tanked. They've got rid of everyone. I think they just have Martel Fultz left, but they got rid of Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournay. I don't know how many. Uh, they got a few draft picks. Like a, lot, a, good, a few good draft picks, which settled pretty well. There's one they got from Chicago and the one they always had from the fifth, right? But I believe that those two draft picks would make sense for them. Um, for OKC, they're also someone in disaster. There's some, someone that also needs another position. But truth be told, this draft is going to be within the first five picks. That's why everybody's trying to trade up. That's why everybody's like trying to get within the first five picks because they want either J- uh, Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs. They want Mobley. They want Cunningham. They want um, Jonathan. Now, Josh Giddy is going to be a great 10th overall pick to the Grizzlies. And I do apologize again for having uh, the Pelicans. And I forgot that my system did not update or their system did not update from the Pelicans to the Grizzlies. But yeah. But Josh Giddy would be amazing for the Grizzlies, especially with the addition of uh, Stephen Adams, because he's a good big man. Um, but Jay Mar- uh, John Morant and different guys like that, I think that would be really good. That's just not me saying that. But with all of that being said, that's my first mock draft. I'm going to come back to you guys again Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Not going to miss out on that one. Not especially on the night of the draft. We're gonna have so much to dive into, but we're not. But we're not done yet. I want to talk about the Pistons. I just want to go to this real quick. I want to continue the top five teams with the biggest needs heading into the draft. I want to talk about another team, and that's the Detroit Pistons. I have that as talent in general throughout this entire podcast. Really, really in the second half of the podcast. We have been talking about the Pistons, about their bad decisions on the trade-in, about who or why they're going to be drafting this certain player. We're also going to be talking about this again on Thursday morning, tomorrow morning, right at 8 a.m. on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, right? But also, the Pistons are putting themselves in a bad position. We can say, well, Jeremiah Grant's going to be good. I, I okay. I'll give you guys that. I'll give you Grant. He is a power forward. And I'll keep that way. Killian Hayes, I believe he'll grow into something. He averaged six points per game. He just needs to get more consistent in his shooting. Some nights he can go for twenty one points. Some nights he can go for two points. And this is with him averaging twenty five minutes a game. But in his last ten games, he was averaging above. 25 minutes and between 25 to 30 plus minutes per game his final four games was around 30 minutes uh per game which was pretty crazy if you think about it but it's like the oh the pistons are just not good 
And Keon Hayes did not play that many games. He only played 26. Um, but Sadiq Bey. Sadiq Bey is a weird one. He has twenty, has 12 points, 4% shooting, but he was also a rookie. The Pistons drafted uh, Keon Hayes and Sadiq Bey. They could have potential, but not with Detroit. That's why I went off. Everyone on there is a bad player because of Detroit. They're not going to ever be the same if they leave Detroit. They make it better, but it's not going to help them. So while they're here for the long haul, during their rookie contracts, it's like, how can they get better? But I don't know. Josh Jackson, he's a bum. Uh, Phoenix, Phoenix did very well for him. But besides that, after his first season with Phoenix, he just failed. It just failed from 2018 to 2020. Right? It, it's just not good. And that's a problem. He's a bust. He's poor shooting nights. Injuries were affecting him. Uh, because 2019, he was only able to play 22 games. Some was limited action. Some was injury. Some was rest. Right, it was all thrown into the mix. This this year, 2020, he just averaged 13 points, 41 percent from the field, two assists, four rebounds. He's not the greatest. He's not the greatest. And what's his contract? He'll be a free agent, free agent in 2022. He's only making $9 million in his total contract, about four and a half per year. But if I'm the Pistons, I have to make this first overall count. That's why I would have drafted, I mean, that's why I would have traded for Shea Gillis Alexander because at least we could say, look, I know we're giving him the first overall pick, but we get a proven player. We can finagle it around to where Shago Alexander is the pie we're building around. And we still have the sixth overall pick. We're able to get someone else that we that's vital. Because it's not like we're just saying, or the Pittsburgh saying, okay, well, we just won't participate in the draft. No. The funder were giving up their 2021 sixth overall pick and saying, you know what? Here we go. For the two mix, we'll just go up by five. But we just want the pick. You get to have a good player. A developing great player. But yeah, the Pistons are my highlighted team. I, I I just don't know. The Pistons, to me, are just not that team who are in control. I feel as though they're not in control, and I don't think they know what they're doing for this draft. I feel bad for whoever's drafted by them, truly. I feel bad for the Pistons because this is not a good draft class. It's not like 2018. There's not a franchise player here, but there is going to be players who are going to be able to help out there are players who are going to be able to say, you know what? We can actually help, but we may not be a franchise player, but we can still be an impactful player come our second or third season. I don't expect anybody to be a breakout superstar in the first season. I more want to see that in the second or third season and then assess them if you want to re-sign longer after... Um, after what you want to call oh what 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 what's it was it after the rookie contract comes up and you can assess them for a few more years if they get them under contract again, right? So that's my thing. But the biggest needs for the Pistons is just getting talent in general, finding that one player that can just help push on your team while you're trying to find players in free agency to come to Detroit. You had Shago Alexander your hands. Nope, didn't want him. I don't know the thought process behind that. 
All I know is that they ridiculously turned down that great contract uh trade offer. But that's where B at. That was the third team out of five, no particular order. But we have two more teams. I'm going to cover those two teams tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Remember, you guys can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. But it's going to be interesting. Um, Real quick, this has been a popular one. Um, last I'm going to do last one because tomorrow, just because we're having an hour 19 right now, I packed a lot of stuff for this podcast episode. So I'm just going to cover one more topic. Tomorrow morning, we'll talk about the Warriors and what they should do with the first uh, two first round draft picks, what they should do and how they should listen to their franchise players and their uh, Draymond Green. When they're power forward, right? And then we're going to have the debate. Who should be going number one? Who should be the first overall pick? Green, Cunningham. We'll let you guys be the decision as we break it all down here on the Corsi Podcast. But finally, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I talked about it briefly. But what are the what are the Cav, what's the Cavaliers' plans for this year's draft? We know what free agency could be looking for them. We know what they what they need, we know what they want, but how can they achieve it? The Cavaliers this year should be drafting Evan Mobley because if everything could be waived with a magical one, I would get rid of Kevin Love if they want to get rid of the $60 million contract. I just think it's time. I think it was post-time after LeBron left. Because truly, after Kyrie and LeBron left, what did you have left? You had a rebuilding mess with an aging center, right? But I say get Evan Mobley because he's going to be that explosive center that you need. That you can bring in um, and start integrating slowly and slowly heading into the NBA NBA starting minutes and then having that starting role. I believe the Cavaliers' plan for this draft is real simple. Get Evan Mobley to go to free agency. Get rid of Kevin Love. Keep Colin Sexton if that's possible. Maybe trade a few picks. Try to get someone else. Because if we go to Cleveland Cavaliers roster right now, and I'm just trying to pull it up. Uh, right now they have Darius Garlander, Colin Sexton, Kevin Love, Jared Allen. Kevin Love is their power forward. Jared Allen is their center. Right now, Jared Allen is restricted for agent because the Cavs put a qualifying offer on him, right? Which is actually really good. Jared Allen is a really good uh, center. Uh, Evan Mobley, I'm looking up his position because I believe he could be a power forward. I know he could be a forward. Uh, yeah, he's a, his position's a forward, so he's a, he's a power forward. I'm going to put him as a power forward. He's seven feet tall, so he could do things. He can he do things. Uh, if I'm if yeah, so get right Kevin Love. Let's say Kevin Love's gone. Die, now put him in the starting five. You would have uh Evan Mobley, power four, Colin Sexton, shooting guard, Darius Garlander, point guard, um Jared Allen, uh center, and then small forward would be Larry Nance Jr. Yep. Yeah, could Larry Nance Jr. be that? Yeah, I'll put Larry Nance Jr. as a small forward. 
but they might have to, they might have to uh, go out there and get small forward be, because um yeah Terrell's just so massively big that no one's really small forward but I'll put Larry Nance Jr. in that conversation I'll put C.D. Osmond in that conversation to be a small forward Small forwards actually CD Osmond's forte, so I'd actually put CD Osmond or Larry Jr. into that conversation. But you see where I'm going now if they get rid of Kevin Love. I know you have to add some parts to that mix, but right now, just looking at the roster, minusing out Kevin Love, that would be huge. That would be very, very huge. Because $31 million is coming out and coming into his pocket. Come this year. And the power forward center is just draining the life out of the Cavs. And I think it's time to end that. I say it's time. You know what? It's time to move on. Best possible decision ever. Truly. I truly, truly do mean that because I think it would just benefit both sides better. I truly mean that. But with all that being said, I believe the draft's pretty simplistic for them. As long as no one drives Evan Mobley before, but Evan Mobley's camp did not want to be uh, drafted to Houston. Detroit has no uh, interest in Evan Mobley as they do Cunningham or Green, right? So priorities are different, but for the Cavs, it makes sense. Not talking about the mock drafts, not talking about the draft boards, not talking about the statistics, but I actually really do believe... From the bottom of my heart that both sides would be a huge fit for each other come draft time. And come when it comes into uh, practice, comes into preseason, regular season. And who knows, within the years to come, maybe the postseason. Can we get back to that like 2016, 2017, 2018-ish? Back into that, I would actually be very, very happy for that. And you just never know. It it may happen. It may happen for sure. But the draft is pretty simple. I believe that's what they should do. Now, what they will do and what they won't do, that's pretty much going to be on them. That's going to be on the organization itself. How would the general manager see things? How would the executive see things? It's all going to be pretty interesting. And that is that. That is all I have to offer. Um... So, like I said, tomorrow we're going to keep talking about the draft. This was a huge podcast episode today. Just follow the breaking news. Just follow the rumors, reports, and turn down trades and offer trades and different things like that. But tomorrow I'm going to pick up the conversation. I, I, I'm going to ask two questions real quick. What should the Warriors do with their first, with the first two, well, with, with their first two, uh, with their two first round draft picks, and who is going number one overall, Grant or Cunningham? I'm gonna answer both of those questions to, uh, tomorrow morning, Thursday, eight in the morning. Do not miss out because it is going to be exciting. Draft night, the NBA is back, full force. We'll be here. Do not miss it. Thank you guys for sticking out to the end. We'll be here on social media. Hit us up. Um, hit us up anywhere. Um, direct message, direct messages anywhere. Email courtsaheat13 at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions you want answered on the podcast, website, or anything that you feel will be an amazing topic to talk about because we're here in the NBA. 
we have so much to discuss about. Just because the regular season's not going on doesn't mean our things aren't. We have the draft tomorrow night. We have free agency coming up. We have the trade uh, trades becoming official uh, shortly after the free agency opens. It's going to be busy. It's going to be rocking. And I cannot wait. This is going to be exciting. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. Remember, like, follow, and just leave an amazing comment. We want to hear your feedback. If it's positive, uh, if it's positive, then write about post. If it's negative, write on a piece of paper. We don't need it. We don't have time for that. We don't got time for that. We don't want to. Um, uh, we we don't want to sound biased here, but we kind of don't want that negativity on the brand. No, no, we just keep that. We keep that on a piece of paper. We're fine. We're fine. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. We'll be here again tomorrow morning. Thanks for sticking out in the long podcast. We talked about a lot, but this was, but this was worth it because this put out this put in perspective a lot of good points. We talked about the draft a lot. We talked about a lot of good points. Thank you guys for listening. We'll see you tomorrow morning again discussing about the draft and everything else basketball related. See you guys later. See you on social media for the draft. We cannot wait.